0: You are listening to The Wealth Formula Podcast with Buck Joffrey. Get ready to change your life. Welcome, everybody. This is Buck Joffrey with The Wealth Formula Podcast. Now, I want to direct your attention first to WealthFormula.com, as I always do, and urge you to use up all of those resources that are there for you for free, including an opportunity to download for free my book. Seven secrets of eternal wealth. Now you can buy this on Amazon or you can download it for free on wealthformula.com. And if you're like me, you're going to go for the free thing, right? So, so do that. If you can't get to the site, also you can simply text 44222 and type wealth formula. And when you do that, you can get a copy of the book as well. So 44222 and type wealth formula. That's one word and don't let the autocorrect screw you up there. Now, one of the things we don't talk about very often on this, because I, I try not to make this a big promotional thing, but we do have in the Accredited Investor Group this great opportunity on this resort in Belize. You can learn about it on my website at uh, wealthformula.com. This is a Regulation D 506 c offering, which means I can talk about it publicly. I can advertise but it is open only to accredited investors. But it is certainly a great opportunity, well worth looking at. This is a property, it's a resort called Mahogany Bay Resort, and it is an opportunity to have fractional ownership in this property, which is located in Ambergris Key, Belize, which is TripAdvisor's number one island destination. This properties getting all sorts of attention from places like Time Magazine, Coastal Living Magazine. I mean, it's it's kind of a big deal, guys. And so we're pretty excited to be part of it. And we, as a group, our investor group, have completed purchase of a a couple of different uh, uh, lots, as we call them. And we're working on our final piece. We have some space left and i think if you are an accredited investor you should definitely check that out it is um again it's a fractional ownership in a resort branded by one of the most recognized hotel brands in the world it's an opportunity to buy into new vacation rental inventory that's really below market value and on an island that's again number one island destination in the world that's short on accommodations great opportunity for returns on this property with a significant upside possibility on the exit. Uh, anyway, check it out. And if you want to talk about it with me, reach out and go to wealthformula.com and you can learn all about that. Now, let's get into the meat of the show today. I have said on a number of occasions that Wealth Formula Podcast is not a, specifically a real estate show. So why do we talk about real estate so much anyway? Well, You know, for people who want to grow their wealth, there simply is no other asset class with a better track record and more upside than real estate. You know, when I talk about the principles of wealth creation, the wealth formula principles, I talk about the same stuff over and over again. I talk about investing in tangible things, not paper, real stuff, right? Investing in things that preferably cash flow. You know, none of these are hard fast rules, but these are principles to to keep in mind. Invest in things you can understand because complexity is the tool used by Wall Street often to siphon away all of your profits and your wealth and your money. Utilize the concepts of velocity. Velocity is simply just reinvesting quickly, you know. Don't take your cash flow from one of these properties and then, you know, sit on it and watch it in the bank or worse Buy stuff you don't need, reinvest it quickly. Also, leverage. Use other people's money. Banks are there to increase and amplify your returns. And finally, invest in financial education. And if you're reading this, you're already working on principle number five, which is investing in your financial education. Now, you're not paying me anything, but you're investing your time, and you can easily put into play principles one through four, which are the rest of them by investing in real estate. Now, on the other hand, if you're investing in gold or some of the other things that, that we talk about that we're not against, it's hard to cash flow and it's hard to use leverage. So that doesn't mean you shouldn't invest in anything that doesn't follow these five strict principles. Like anything else, as long as you know the rules, by all means, break them. I break them all the time. I, I mean, I own gold. I own life settlements. And there's a reason for them all. They all have their purpose. But the majority of my investments outside of my own businesses are in real estate. And if you want my opinion, again, that's uh, what anyone wanting to build their wealth over time should really probably focus on as a primary investment focus. I mean, again, it doesn't mean it has to be everything. For me, it's probably about 70%. But think about it uh, as a primary focus. If you buy what I'm saying. Now, of course, it is very important to learn about real estate if you're going to use it as a primary investment vehicle. And we certainly do talk about it a little bit on this show. And if you're in the accredited investor group, the investor club for wealth formula, yeah, you know, we have uh, an opportunity to discuss a lot of these things one on one. But that said, who better to learn more from about real estate than the real estate guys themselves? Of course, I am talking about the Real Estate Guys radio show, and of course, those guys are known as Robert Helms and Russell Gray. They have a phenomenal podcast. this uh, number one real estate podcast in the world, and they're also a couple of really good guys, guys I know, like, and trust. They're friends of mine. Robert was on the show a while back ago talking about that luxury resort in Ambergris. He believes that I was referencing earlier and that many of you in my investor group are actually involved with. And today, though, it is my pleasure to have with me Russell Gray, who is the other half of this dynamic real estate duo. So when we come back, Russ is going to tell you why he thinks real estate is still the best asset class in the world in which to invest your hard-earned money. Welcome back to Wealth Formula Podcast. As I mentioned today, my guest is... Mr. Russell Gray, who is one half of the dynamic duo of the Real Estate Guys radio show. Welcome to the show, Russ.
1: Thanks, Buck. Thanks for having me.
0: So, Russ, obviously a lot of people uh, on my show who are listening to my show already are familiar with you and Robert. But tell us a little bit about where the whole Real Estate Guys radio show started and how it came to be and how it got to where it is.
1: Well, you know, my partner, Robert Helms, is a immensely talented person. And he and another gentleman in 1997 came up with the idea of creating the show. It was a local radio show in San Francisco Bay Area Radio. And they did it for a couple of years. It was really, I don't know that it was a hobby, it certainly wasn't their main focus. Robert was an active real estate agent along with his dad and Charlie, the original co-founder of the show, was a instructor in the California education system for real estate agents. And so they have a lot of knowledge, both academic and and practical street smarts, and we're just there talking about real estate. Well, I started a mortgage company in 2000 and was looking for ways to market my mortgage company. And I heard Robert and Charlie on the radio and decided to go to one of their seminars I immediately recognized Robert's ridiculous talent, and I saw a lot of untapped potential. And so I approached him as a business consultant to see if I could help him grow his seminar business and the show. And that's kind of how it started. And what I was hoping to get out of it, which I eventually got, was... His mortgage business and the opportunity to do business with the people that came through the seminars. We shifted the focus to investing because that's really what Bob, Robert's father, and Robert were most interested in. They were active real estate investors, still are, and they had a passion for seeing people buy real estate as an investment my background in mortgage, I was really a lot more interested in the financial strategy and the strategic use of debt and equity and cash flows and things like that. And I was a lot less interested in making loans to people that were just using them to buy homes or refinance so they could do a debt consolidation or buy a new boat. So it was a good match. So we started working together on the seminar side of things, teaching together, and that worked great. We had a great chemistry. And in 2004, for some reason, Charlie decided to leave the show. And so I'd been around with Robert for two or three years, and he decided that he was going to have a rotation of co-hosts come through and he would be the real estate guy. And he would just bring in different subject matter experts. But I recognized the opportunity. And so I always said, yes, I was never too busy to do the show. And it was a live show back then. It wasn't uh, you know, pre-recorded like we do today so that we can stay on track and on theme. It was a call-in show. Yeah. So I had to get up super early on Sunday mornings and drive into the radio station in San Francisco, uh, record the show or, or broadcast the show live. Yeah. So we did that. And that's kind of the, the genesis of the Real Estate Guys show today. It's an investment talk program. And we were doing great right up until the recession hit in 2008. And then we realized it was really detrimental to our financial well-being to be the smartest guys in the room. And then we started using our brand and our influence to create rooms full of people that attracted speakers and students, attendees, that were just a lot smarter than we were. And so, you know, we stayed very narrow. There's a few things I'm smart about and a lot of things I'm not so smart about. and, And I'd say the same is true for Robert. And we just stay very much focused in those little niches that we're expert in and that surround ourselves with people that are a lot smarter. So we teach and learn at the same time, and we love to network and connect people. So that's kind of the big picture on the real estate guys.
0: Yeah, it's it's funny because long before I ever got to know you and Robert, I was a listener of this show. And it's really hard to imagine that show without you two, because really, it's really the connection that you guys have. It's really dynamic. But anyway, I want to shift gears a little bit. So obviously, you guys are a big fan of real estate as an asset class. After all, you are the real estate guys. So tell me, why should our group, why should our, our listeners out there be investing in real estate right now? I mean, obviously, we do talk about real estate and we're a big fan of it on this show, but why real estate right now as opposed to any number of other options out there that we could invest in?
1: Well, uh, you know, how, how much time do you have? I mean, I can make that argument all day long. I've done two debates with uh, some pretty notable people on that exact topic, and one, in both cases, one was kind of a, a homer deal because we did it on our investor summit at C, but then we did it at Freedom Fest, and we won there too. And it wasn't because I'm a brilliant debater. Uh, it was just because the investment of real estate is, is just so hands down an effective vehicle for many reasons. So the first thing is it's real and that's important. You can own a property and you don't really have any counterparty risk. I mean, yes, you have the potential that a tenant doesn't pay, but the asset itself, the physical property, nobody has to perform for that to be valuable. It has intrinsic inherent value. That's just the nature of real estate, and you can always go get another tenant. So that's one thing. The second thing is in an era, and I think you can say the era goes all the way back to 1913 and the founding of the Fed, the U.S. dollar has a 100-plus-year history of a downward slope, meaning that it takes more and more dollars to purchase the same physical goods and services in the real world. And so real estate holds its value in the face of a falling dollar. Now, some people say real estate goes up. I wouldn't necessarily argue that because the value of an asset isn't the dollar value. That gets distorted when, when currency values change, but it's in the utility. A three-bedroom, two-bath house in 1950 might only cost $5,000, whereas today it might cost $500,000 in you know, the San Francisco Bay Area or wherever. But at the end of the day, it still only sleeps three people. What it didn't do was fall in value. And so certainly there's ways to make money in real estate, but the first thing you have to do is make sure you don't lose real estate. And so real estate is great for that reason. The other reason is, is you can finance it, which means you can go short the dollar. I can borrow money from the future and bring it into the present to buy an asset that will retain its value in the face of a falling dollar while I lock the debt, meaning that it gets easier over time to pay that debt off. And so that's a fabulous thing. And it produces a yield, if you do it right. And so you, even though you've borrowed money, you can create a spread, if I can borrow at four or 5% and cash flow at eight or nine or 10%, now I've created a positive spread on that borrowed money. So I'm making a profit on other people's money. And so that's fabulous. Then you look at the fact that you can insure the core asset against most risks, which is nice, that it is um, ubiquitous and eternal in many ways in its utility, meaning it's hard to imagine a technology that could disrupt the need for a human being to have a roof over their head. And so, you know, there's a lot of things we see with disruptive technology right now, but the, the basic premise of real estate, whether you're using it for retail uh, and again, there's issues in retail, but, you know, there's always going to be retail and there's always going to be commercial and there's always going to be farmland and there's always going to be houses. Uh, there's always going to be those things, at least for the foreseeable future in our lifetimes. And so from that standpoint, it's a very stable business to be in if you pick the right markets. And one of the other things that we found out in 2008 is that the powers that be manipulate all markets, uh, starting first and foremost with the bond market and interest rates, which is the price set for everything else going on in the economy. If you follow gold, you know they decry all the time about the manipulation and most often to the downside because uh, they say, and I'm not necessarily saying I agree, but I understand the argument, that people who are looking at gold as a way of measuring the health of the dollar, of runaway gold price tells you the dollar's falling. So if you can kind of change the the gauges on the machine, you can hide the fact that the dollar's falling. you know. And then the argument is, well, they can't do that with Bitcoin and Bitcoin is taking off. So you know, again, I'm, I'm not saying that I completely understand those arguments, but I, I'm certainly listening to them and they make a little bit of sense. But my point is coming back to real estate is we found out during the financial crisis that everybody that has their hands on the levers of power in the economy, the government, the trade associations, the National Association of Realtors is the largest trade association in the world. The banks who lend heavily, industry, uh, voters, everybody has a vested interest in seeing real estate values stay up, not down. Nobody's trying to push real estate values down. I'm not saying that can't happen, it can. When we saw a big disruption in the mortgage market, we saw that happen. But everybody rallied to bring it back up, and we saw that happen too. And so it's hard to imagine uh, another investment that has all of the unique attributes of real estate where you can be short the dollar, long the dollar. You can get yields that are above average with a relatively safe conservative type investment. Uh, something that's easy to understand and control. You are not subject to the whims of third parties. You can go in and manage the property. You can fix up the property. You can make strategic decisions. You don't have to be a brain surgeon, even though some of us are, to do it. And so, you know, again, I I told you I can go on and on and on, but there's just so many reasons why real estate just makes sense for the average person as a great wealth building vehicle.
0: So obviously there are several subclasses of real estate. Um, you know, you certainly have a residential real estate, commercial, uh, land, etc. Tell me, what is your favorite, if you have a favorite, subclass of real estate, and why?
1: I have a few favorites. Part of it is lifestyle and where you want to spend your time and who you want to spend your time around and the type of product and demographic you want to interact with. And the great thing about real estate is there's so many different um, facets to it. You can pick something. As you know, Robert and I are very active in resort property development. And the reason is, is because we like to go to exotic places and we like to deal with affluent demographics. We like to look at things that are nice and new. And what we look for is a supply and demand geographic that makes sense and then uh, something that the uh, economic macro factors will support. It's always going to be rich people. They're always going to want to go on vacation. If you can get a piece of land in a beautiful place of the world that is limited in supply and high in demand, you have a formula for being able to make money. So you know, you know that we are very active in that. So that's us personally. But with that said, I mean, it's hard to beat residential real estate industries come and go we can see what's going on in retail and that's been devastating although the flip side of devastation is always opportunity but it's hard to beat residential real estate for stability for political support for financing which is often subsidized by governments because of the political support uh, for demand there's always tends to be more people than less at at least that's been the trend for as long as i uh, can think of that we've always been adding more people we're not losing people and again if you pick the geography right and you you have a place where there's some constriction to expansion of supply and there's good infrastructure and a reason why people want to come there uh, then you'll get a supply demand dynamic that favors long-term profitability so it's less about a specific type of real estate as it is about a specific set of circumstances that can create a profitable outcome, and then making sure that it's something that you actually want to pay attention to because no investment will do well if it doesn't interest you. You won't pay attention to it. And so you got to pick something that you're going to be interested in.
0: So Russ, as you know, you know, a lot of people think that we are at a certain place in the real estate cycle, particularly multifamily real estate. We might be sort of at the top of the cycle. Maybe we're sort of coming down off the top a little bit. Either way, I think a lot of people agree that the real estate market, particularly residential is a little bit hot. So if you haven't been involved with real estate before and you're interested, uh, is it a good time to get started now?
1: Yeah, so what happens when a market gets hot overbid, uh, cap rates fall. It's the same thing in the bond market. When a lot of money bids up the price of something that has a fixed or limited capacity to produce yield or cash flow, you're going to see a decrease in the, in the return on investment. So that's, sometimes it takes people a while to get that. I know you're a sophisticated guy and most of your audience is fairly sophisticated, but uh, one of the core principles you have to learn is the inverse relationship between asset value and yield and so if the value goes up and the yield uh, and, and the income doesn't then the yield is going to go down and so as people come in and bid up apartment buildings you see cap rates fall but with that said because real estate is not an asset class a lot of people want to make the argument that it is but robert and i have the contention that it's not an asset class you can have two homes on the same street in the same neighborhood with the same floor plan that are completely different because of the condition and because of the seller's motivation. If you have somebody, you, you can have the one property, the guy is living there and he's got a great job and it's paid for and he really is, uh got no pressure to sell, he's going to have a very different position than maybe somebody that just had a life crisis, a divorce, or is going through, you know, maybe there was a death in the family and it's probate and the family's willing to let the property go cheap because they just want to get liquid. And so because every situation is unique, it is always possible at any time to find a good deal. And real estate is not an asset class on a global or national basis. It's not an asset class on a state or even a city basis. It really goes down to the specific neighborhood, the specific property, the specific ownership dynamic, and the deal you can make. And then the plan you have for the property. Sometimes you can buy a property and you say, oh, you overpaid for the property. Yeah, well, that's because I bought a residential property. I'm going to convert it to commercial. And as soon as I do that, it's worth twice as much. But the guy who owned it didn't know that. So there's a lot of ways to make money in real estate anyway, um, because you can do those types of things, you know, where you, whereas in a stock or, you know, a commodity, you really don't have that much control. You're betting that you can read the tea leaves and get it right. So it's harder to find good deals when markets are hot because dumb money's in the market bidding things up. But a savvy investor who knows what they're looking for, who's got a great team and has built good relationships because real estate is an insider's game. If you're connected and you're at the front of the line, and that's one of the things I love about being the co-host of the Real Estate Guys radio show, people know who we are, they bring us deals all the time, and whenever we want to do anything, we're very near the front of the line. So we get to see things early, uh, and we get a chance to get deals done maybe that other people never saw, the biggest deal that we've ever done in our life, and we're in the middle of right now, and you know what it is. Nobody else saw that deal. We're the only people on earth that got that deal. And so, you know, it's hard to, you can't make that argument in the stock market or in the commodities market or the currency market. You know, if there's a product out there, it's going to be available to everybody. So the inefficiencies in real estate and the way it is brought to market and the way deals get done, make it possible in any economic environment to get a good deal. If you understand how to go about finding it, recognizing it, and then acting on it.
0: You know, Russ, I bet a lot of people out there who are listening to the show right now are listening to you, and they're thinking, "Well, gosh, that you know that sounds a little intimidating. I mean, how am I going to go out there and compete for real estate when there's guys like the real estate guys out there who are trying to do the same thing? If I'm out there and I'm a you know I'm I'm a physician, I'm working 50, 60 hours a week, you know, making good money, but I don't have all these connections. I mean, what do you say to people like that?
1: Well, I mean, the obvious one is syndication." Because there's people out there who are great at doing deals and what they end up doing is they find more deals than they have money for. You know, right now, Robert and I have way more deals come to us than we could ever possibly get to. So, you know, we have a big group of syndicators that we can bring deals to. We have, uh, we created the investor registry on our website where our audience can just register, say, hey, I'm interested in looking at these kind of deals. And when deals come across our desk, our deal desk just sends those out and lets people look at them. So the idea of a syndicator, for people who aren't familiar with the client, I'm sure you've covered it on your show. Obviously, it's how one of the ways that we have worked together is, you know, a syndicator is going to go out and they're going to put together a pool of money. Money. They're going to aggregate capital from private investors, busy people who maybe don't have time or expertise or inclination, but they like the investment and they want to they want to invest. It's no different than the way Warren Buffett invests in companies. He, he looks at, at a sector or a, a business model. He goes, okay, this makes sense. But what he really invests in is the team. He invests in the management team. I do spend a lot of time following the metals and mining. In fact, we're getting ready to go to the New Orleans Investment Conference, which is one of my favorite conferences where we get a chance to learn a lot about that stuff. And, you know, what those guys invest in is management teams. People have proven track records of going out into the space and creating profitable um, operations. Well, the same thing is in real estate. You find somebody that has a good track record of uh, producing uh, results in a particular style, whether it's mobile homes or self-storage or apartment buildings or single family or real estate development or resort development. I mean, you pick it. Uh, if, If the niche makes sense to you and the model makes sense to you and you believe in the people, you invest in them. And that's what syndication is all about. And it's gotten so much better because it used to be prior to September 2013. The only way people who had those kind of deals could raise money is they had to network and create personal relationships. And so if you weren't part of that good old boys club, you never got a chance to see the deal. So you'd be driving around your neighborhood, you know, investing in stocks and bonds and going through the roller coaster ride of all that competing with the sharks on Wall Street and every mom and pop investor out there who's got a trading app and you're driving through your neighborhood and you see uh, somebody put in a little thing where they built 10 townhomes in a little lot that was empty. Or you see some apartment building or a little strip center go up and you're like, wow, there's an opportunity there, but you never hear about it. And it's like, how do you get in on those deals? Well today, people who are putting those kind of deals together are able to advertise for accredited investors. They're able to promote those private placements. And so it's opened up a whole cornucopia of opportunity for accredited investors to be able to find those deal makers and invest in them. So we think it's the biggest opportunity on both sides of the fence. It's a huge opportunity for real estate investors who uh, have more deals than money. And it's a huge opportunity for people who have more money than time to come together. And I call it Main Street investing in Main Street and just cutting Wall Street out of it. You know, I mean, I could go on and on about my personal thing. I don't, I, there's no love loss between me and Wall Street. I watched my dad lose a $12 million fortune because of shenanigans in Wall Street. I personally took a hard, hard hit in 2008. And when I dug through the rubble and found out what happened and why, it wasn't that the real estate market was bad. It wasn't real estate that would crash. It was the, it was the shenanigans in the mortgage backed uh, security derivative market that blew everything up. It was Wall Street. And so the best thing I think people could do is just invest, you know, their their hard-earned savings main street to main street and keep it out of Wall Street.
0: So Russ as you know I have similar sentiments and I have voiced them frequently on my show. So what you're saying about Wall Street is not really going to come as a surprise to most of my listeners as I have sort of expressed the same views. Now you mentioned syndication I will use this as an opportunity to for a little plug for my own accredited investor group and The point of that group is to do exactly what uh, Russ is talking about. It simply allows you to get involved with private deals that have nothing to do with Wall Street. And just as a reminder, uh, to join that group, an accredited investor is something that you either are or you aren't. You know, it's sort of like being pregnant. Uh, You either are or you aren't. It's not something you apply for. And the meaning of it, defined by the SEC, is that... You either make $200,000 per year, $300,000 per year if filing jointly, or you have a $1 million uh, net worth outside of your personal residence. Anyway, check that out if you want. You can sign up at wealthformula.com to the investor group. Now, Russ calls this Main Street investing, and on this show I have referred to this as sort of a tribal investing. And the idea is that people who you, over time, uh, get to know, like and trust, go out there and and they have time to go out there and they have the ability to go out there and vet deals and put deals together and essentially feed their tribe with, you know, these opportunities uh, to ultimately make money uh, safely outside of Wall Street. Because, you know, one thing I'll tell you over time that I've discovered is that the hard part is not really understanding what a good deal is. I mean, you can get a pro forma, somebody, you know, gives you a pro forma, it looks really good, you do the math, everything looks good, and that's easy, right? I mean, anybody can make anything look good. The real difficult part is finding people who when they put something in front of you, you know like and trust them and um they've essentially that you've created a network so that when somebody puts something in front of you, you actually can trust it. And I think that that's the more difficult part. Uh, Russ, what do you think of that?
1: Absolutely. You know, there's so much to learn. And, you know, we're in the education space. And one of the big negatives about what I see in a lot of education is that a lot of educating is based on selling more education. And so when you are talking to an A student, somebody that's a doctor, a lawyer, professional engineer, or architect, whatever. These are people that are used to um, learning, used to being very competent, used to being the smartest person in the room and believing in their own intellect and their ability to understand. And so when they go to invest, they approach it the same way. And I think to your point, Buck, that's a mistake because you end up trying to learn a whole new profession and that's not what you need to do. What you need to learn how to do is learn enough to be able to ask good questions, and then to really focus on what you call trust, and I break trust down into two areas. You have to trust somebody in their ethics, and you have to trust somebody in their capability. Our other partner, Beth, would make the argument that you have to trust them in their commitment. So maybe three three Cs. But at any rate, the, the key is is if you have somebody who is competent but unethical, they will surgically remove your money from you. And you can't have that. So you have to trust them ethically. But if you trust somebody ethically and they're incompetent, and a lot of people make this mistake, they invest in people they trust because they like them, but they never really examine whether or not they know what they're doing. And then what you end up is they lose your money and then they feel really bad Uh, which is nice. I mean, you know, they, they, they're not sociopaths, but at the end of the day, your money's still lost. So you've got to trust them in both areas. So the key to learn, learning is you have to learn enough to know about who you are as an investor and what you want to accomplish with your money. Then you have to know enough about the basics of investing to understand what the investment being offered to you is likely to do. If you're a long-term investor looking for capital gains and growth, and that's different than being somebody that I'm retired and I need a paycheck every week or every month. You know, those are different types of investments. And once you understand that and the nature of the investment, the key is, who am I dealing with? Does this person have the professional uh, track record capabilities, support team to do the job? And then do I trust them? And one of the great ways to find out if you can trust somebody is to give them something little to do where they have the opportunity to take advantage of you and see if they do. Because if they do, then you're done. If they don't, then it's like, okay, this person's trustworthy. Now let's see if they're competent. So, learning due diligence is probably one of the most important skills for an investor to learn, but not at the tactical level. It just it just at the at the ethics and competency level.
0: Yeah, I think the point here is that you want to get to the point where, when somebody puts a pro forma in front of you, that you can at least get to the point where you can actually trust the pro forma. You know, one of the things that I talked to Ken McElroy about is uh, guys like him, and frankly, like me, who are out there trying to find deals that make sense. We're all wondering why, you know, there's syndicators out there who have nonstop deals. And part of the reason for that is that, you know, again... You can make any deal look good on paper. You just manipulate a few numbers here and there. And that's really tough for investors because, again, you need to be able to trust what's in front of you. That's, of course, the challenge, and that's where building your network can really potentially help with that. And Russ, obviously, you're a big advocate for that. You talk about that all the time, about how building your network can increase your net worth.
1: Yeah, well, I mean, in in any business, the the essence, if you ask any accountant, you know, one of the big premiums any uh, acquirer pays when they buy a business over the cost of the net assets is goodwill. It's the thing that makes people decide to call you and not a competitor. It's the thing that makes your employees get up every day and come to work and do a good job for you. It's that sense that you are an organization that people will want to do business with. So that's worth a ton. but probably the most important part of your network you have, especially, and I know your audience, Buck, is largely hardworking. Uh, a students that are making a lot of money and don't have a lot of time uh, with that limited amount of time and that great intellect focus on getting the right advisors. If you have the right people on your team it's great somebody puts a pro forma in front of you but you know you might be able to audit the math but you have no way of knowing if the inputs are valid and that's really what it comes down to. An experienced person in the apartment space can look at a pro forma and go you know this ratio here that doesn't make sense. Just, you should go back and double check that because that expense level or this, whatever it is, that doesn't make sense to me. Somebody's gonna catch that. So if you have people who you trust who you're paying or somehow have a relationship with where they will advise you on deals and, and give your deal a second look that are experienced, qualified to have an opinion, now you have the ability to look at deals and feel somewhat safe that you understand what you're being presented with. So your team, your accountant, uh, you know, your tax guy, that's super important. Uh, somebody who really knows how to crunch numbers, uh, you know, from a financial standpoint. And then people who are experts in whatever the specific niche is. And so I'm a big believer in being part of clubs and organizations and groups where you've got peers, people helping people. Talked earlier about Main Street investing with Main Street, but I also think Main Street mentoring Main Street. I'm a big fan of that. Obviously, Buck, you know that. We create these little ecosystems where we get smart people together, we give them opportunities to compare notes, to build friendships, and with social media today, we get a chance to see some of those friendships develop. And we know these people are consulting each other on deals, and they're, they're, it's tribal knowledge, to your point earlier, which I think is, it's a great time to be alive, it's a great time to be in business, it's a great time to be an investor. There's a lot of things doom and gloom you can point on, but the flip side of all the chaos in the financial markets is gobs of opportunity, But you have to be connected to the right people that have uh, subject matter expertise and they aren't biased in any way other than, you know, they're helping you and you're helping them. So pick something that you're really interested in, become expert in it, and then barter. Bring that to the table and share your expertise in order to gain other people's expertise. That's what I do. I'm expert in certain things and then other things not so much. And I have a lot of friends that rely upon me for my expertise and the things I'm smart in, and I rely upon them for the things they're expert in when I'm looking at something that I don't know what I'm talking about. I mean, when earlier when we were trying to do this uh, call, I was struggling with the technology, right? So I, I'm not a technology guy. I struggle with technology. So I have people that I call And they struggle with things that I'm smart at and we trade and say, okay, well, I'll give you a half hour of talking about, you know, real estate or financial, if you'll help me figure out how to make my technology work. And that's the kind of thing I'm talking about, people helping people.
0: So what are you working on these days? What are you excited about?
1: Um, The most important thing, we're a media enterprise. So there's two aspects to my business, you know, personally. Robert and I have a partner, and we're very active in real estate development, uh, offshore resort property development, and so that's a big emphasis. I'm not really hands-on on on that. Our other partner runs most of that project, and then I spend most of my time um, really focused on the real estate guys and developing the real estate guys and focusing on our core niche, and our core niche is syndication. We want to teach people how to syndicate. We want to teach people how to do it right, uh, legally ethically we want to put them in networks where they get exactly what i was just talking about tribal knowledge they learn quicker they make less mistakes Uh, it can be intimidating for good people when they go into the business of raising money because good people are very, very scared about losing people's money, and they should be. But those are the very people we need in the business because if those types of people who care about other people and are worried about losing their money don't get in the business, then the only people left are the sociopaths who come in and don't lose one minute's sleep after taking and losing all your money. We need more good people in the business and we just need to make sure that they're properly equipped to do a good job. It's it's the biggest opportunity I think right now, both in business and in investing, uh, especially for the average person, because you don't have to be brilliant to do it. You have to be hardworking and have good common sense, and you rely upon the brilliance of others to help you execute. So that's my current passion, and in taking all of that training, and this is, this is where my incompetence meets my competence, is, you know, we've been seminar guys and where we get rooms of people together, and we've done that for years, and we love doing that. But we're in a new world, and every day the younger generation is more and more used to learning and interacting uh, digitally in communities online, and we haven't been great at developing that. So my focus with the real estate guys right now is to really take our whole mentoring program and educational program and networking program and digitize it and create digital communities with that said, we're still going to be bringing people together two, three, four times a year with our Investor Summit at Sea and some of the conferences that we do. We, we believe people need to get together face to face, but we don't want the party to start and end uh, at a hotel room or a conference center or a cruise ship. We want it to be just a, a reunion of people that are really getting along and, and enjoying each other's company and learning from each other and doing deals together in an online community. So that's my primary focus right now.
0: So how do we learn about some of those things that you discussed? I mean, obviously, a lot of my group is interested in being passive, but you discuss things like syndication, et cetera, that people might want to learn more about. You guys have a lot of educational seminars, field trips, et cetera. Where can we learn about all of that?
1: The best way to learn about everything we do is just to get connected to us. So people can send an email and you know what I'm going to do, Buck? I'm going to give you your own email address at the real estate Guys. So (laughs) if uh, folks will send an email to buck at realestateguysradio.com, buck at realestateguysradio.com, We will subscribe you to our newsletter, so you'll get that once a week, and it's free. You can unsubscribe at any time if you don't like our, you know, banterings. You'll hear about different events that we do, including our flagship event, which is our Secrets of Successful Syndication Seminar. We do that twice a year, and that's a two-day course where we teach people about syndication. What it is, it's more focused on people who are interested in becoming syndicators but it's certainly useful for someone who's thinking they'd like to invest in syndication to kind of understand what goes on on the other side of the the fence. So we do that, and of course, our annual investor summit at sea, which is ridiculous. Um, We've expanded it now to 10 days, three days on land and seven days on the cruise ship, and that's where we aggregate some of the biggest brains in investing and economics and business and bring them all together and spend a lot of quality time and then hundreds of people from all over the world that are very successful people, Uh, you get more done in terms of a deep dive into important topics and building global relationships with what I'd consider to be high caliber people. You get more done in those 10 days than probably over the next 10 years, just bopping around on your own. So those are kind of our, our main things.
0: And they are all amazing events. I've been a part of many of them. Now, Russ, I don't want to take up too much of your time.
1: Oh, really appreciate it. Congratulations on your success. Your, your podcast is fabulous. Great guests. You have a great media personality. I mean, a lot better than me. I'm, I happen to be hitched to a guy who's a fantastic radio talent, but but you've got a lot of talent. I think you do a great job. And uh, I love the way you're targeting the niche and really empowering people to take control over their, their personal finances through education. So keep up the good work.
0: Thank you very much for being on the show today. There you have it, folks. Russell Gray with real estate guys radio, you know, I have to tell you, um, when I first started listening to podcasts, uh, real estate guys radio was really the primary podcast that I listened to. And that was before I got to know Robert and Russ. And these guys are really high quality guys. And, you know, for those of you, I mean, a lot of you already know them, but if you don't go check that podcast out, you know, there is so many podcasts. You've been doing this for so long. Just go and pick and choose stuff that looks really interesting, but definitely get on their email list. Obviously, Russ was made it really easy for us. Just uh, email Buck at uh, realestateguysradio dot com. Get on that list, and for some of you who are thinking about real estate, this is a great place to start. I mean, again, we don't do a lot of the educational stuff specific to real estate, but you know, Robert and Russ they do a ton of that. So get on their list and they have all these different field trips and so on and so forth. Again, that is buck at real estate guys, Check it out. And until next time, this is Buck Joffrey with wealth formula podcast. Thank you for listening to the wealth formula podcast. Visit us on the web at wealthformula.com. The information contained in this podcast, are opinions, not fact as always, consult your own financial team before making any investment. See you next time.